We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the RotoWire Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code RotoHoops and get a free deposit on DraftKings today. All right, it is October eighth, the year twenty fifteen. Nick Whalen here, joined as I always will be this season on Thursdays by RotoWire's James Anderson. So it's still the preseason right now. We're still working through, um, you know, draft talk, just basically general preseason NBA talk. Uh, with the season about three weeks away. What we want to talk about today is an article uh, and a kind of a general discussion, I guess. Uh, the article is going to be going up on the site on Thursday, 
And basically what this is, James, you wrote this, is a ranking 1 through 50 of the top players under 25 years old. And, and it's important to note that these rankings reflect um, you know, dynasty leagues. So right. it's not just like your favorite players under 50. It's you know, the top 50 players from a fantasy perspective who are under 25 years old. Yeah, it's, it's from a fantasy perspective, and it's taking uh, seasons past this upcoming one into account. So, I mean, there's some guys on this list that probably aren't going to play a ton this year or might even, like, like Dante Exum's on this list. He's not even going to play at all. So uh, it's more just kind of keeper value rankings so that you can kind of judge trades during the offseason. All right, so we'll start right away um, with the top guy. And I think this is about as obvious as it gets. Um, he's certainly the top player under 25, and he might be the right. top player at any age, and that is Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that he's 22 years old. Like, that's just kind of if he was like if he was 24 <laughs> or 25 right now what he's doing would still be crazy and yeah he's 22 he's like about to become the best player alive like he's going to prove that this season and he's 22 years old so like imagine how good he's going to be when he's like 25 or 26 right i mean you got to figure just judging off of what we've seen from guys in the past similar career trajectories i mean another at least like 10 years of prime basketball and and a lot of big guys we've seen especially their games tend to age a little bit better. And Davis is a guy who, who has great size and has great skills, but he does he's an athletic guy. So the athleticism is going to fade, mm-hmm. you know, talking 10, 12 years down the road. But just the set of skills that he has, the range that he's developed, he's going to start shooting three-pointers this year. I think he's a guy who's – or his game, excuse me, is going to age very well over the years. So, I mean, obviously that's looking way into the future. But, I mean, for the next eight, ten years, there's definitely not anyone else that I could think of who I would want on my team. Yeah, I mean, I I made a bet uh, in Vegas that he was going to win the the MVP this year, and I really think that that's a lock if he stays healthy because the the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs probably as a seven seed, and that's really all it's going to take for him. Right, and that was the only argument going against him last year. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously right. Curry and Harden had great years. LeBron had a great year. If he was on um, like a fifty like five win team, I feel like he probably wins that award. Yeah, absolutely. And we we've talked I think on the podcast last week about how how difficult it's going to be for Curry and Harden, especially Curry, I think, to follow mm-hmm. up what they did last year. I mean, he's kind of in that, in that or, LeBron well, zone. Like, he could follow it up. Like, he could do the exact same thing he did last year, and he's not going to win the MVP because it's not, like, interesting. It's not, like, a story. Well, he's competing you know? against himself right. more than anything yeah, at yeah. this point. I mean, point. like, he has to – and, like, the, the team, like, they won, like, 68 games. Like, 67, 67. I, think, yeah. I mean, like – they're not going to win more than 67 games. Right. Everything's not going to break as well as it did for Golden State last year. And like, you got to wonder, like, can Steph Curry really get any better from a percentage standpoint? Like, we just we haven't seen it. He's, and if anybody could do it, it's probably him. But. Yeah, he's perfected, like, his role. But, yeah, I mean, Davis is probably, if you factor in defense, probably the best player alive right now and definitely the best player under 25. Yeah, absolutely. So he's on a tier of his own, uh, yeah, as you marked in this article, tier one, best player alive. We moved to tier two. A lot of other um, extremely exciting players. All of these, of course, under 25 years old. Number two, you have Andrew Wiggins. Yes, I mean I, I'm, I'm, I'm just always going to be like try to be the high man on Andrew Wiggins, just because I've always uh, been really kind of transfixed by his his skill set and his just natural raw talent and. Like I think I think he like uh surpassed some expectations in his rookie year, but like he didn't really surpass mine. Like that's that's kind of exactly what I thought he'd do. I actually thought he might be a little better uh in the defensive categories and 
this year it's just going to be more minutes, more shots. Like, I mean, I, I really think he's going to quickly develop into a top 10 player in the league. Yeah, I don't know if I really see his minutes load increasing a ton. I mean, he's over 36 as a rookie. This team should be a little bit better, a little bit deeper, hopefully healthier this season. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to you know get up over 20 points a game. That should, I mean, I wouldn't say no problem, but I would feel pretty comfortable uh, betting that he gets over 20 there. I think he can get those rebounds up over five per game, maybe creep into the two and a half to three assists per game. So, I mean, year two is, is usually still a developmental year for guys as young as he is. He's still only 20 years old. Not going to turn 21 until the middle of this season, but I mean, I'm expecting a huge jump. I'm, I'm, we've talked about on the on the Western Conference preview podcast that we're expecting this Minnesota team as a whole to take a jump, mm-hmm. and I think there's the influx of talent there. He's getting Ricky Rubio back from injury. Kevin Martin was banged up. Shabazz was banged up. Anthony Bennett's not there anymore. That's a plus. Um, so I think well, you, Towns, well, too. Yeah. Towns, yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, this this team looks on paper they might not be a playoff caliber team. Um, but they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. Andrew Wiggins is going to have a lot more weapons around him that are just going to help with that development. Yeah, I don't think I don't think any team really has more uh, coveted assets than the T Wolves do in terms of like young pieces you can build around. Right, they're in a, they're in a really good spot, and they, they've turned things around, kind of led by Andrew Wiggins. I mean, had he not had the year uh, that he enjoyed last season, you know, had he not not been a bust, but you know, if he wasn't looking as promising as he was, this team is in a different spot right now. Um, I mean, you have a, a guy like Wiggins uh, who looks like he's on the track to superstardom. You got Carl Towns, who's looked good in in what we've seen of him so far. Um, and all of a sudden, this this roster just looks so much better than it did at the end of the Kevin Love era uh, a couple of years ago. All right, number three on your list, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about him in conjunction with number four. Number three is Kyrie Irving, another guy. He's only twenty three years old. Seems mm-hmm. like he should be older at this point, kind of in that Davis category. And then you have D'Angelo Russell, another point guard. He's just 19, um, obviously a rookie for the Lakers. You have him all the way up at number four. Yeah, I I guess like Kyrie in terms of people on this list is probably the most established among like the really elite guys. I mean, he's had like three straight seasons where he's basically had the exact same sort of production. So you kind of wonder if he's already peaking. Like, I mean, it, that's – Seems kind of crazy to say about a 23-year-old, but his production really does look like it's just kind of stayed the same. Uh, Russell, is I mean, he had that little spill the other night where he kind of fell on his butt, and it looked kind of serious because he needed help to leave the court, but that is not serious apparently. So, um, you know, I think think he's poised to win Rookie of the Year, uh, him or Towns, and I think Russell's just pure – uh, usage, like I mean, his usage is going to be through the roof compared to town. So I think that that's going to really lend itself to to that award. And I mean, he's going to enter the league, I think, as like a top ten passer, and in terms of point guards, maybe a top ten shooter from three point range. So uh, a really nice kind of base to build around. Yeah, and like we said, he's still just nineteen years old. Going back to Kyrie, I I don't know if I would say he's completely peaked yet. I mean, at age twenty two, but like you said. Hasn't really shown a ton of improvement over the last three years. I think part of that is LeBron coming to yeah. town last year. You have to – you're not going to – as a secondary guy on a team with LeBron, you're not going to have your career year. You know? but, and it was, I think it was encouraging that it's, his scoring per game increased almost two points with LeBron there. But you know, we saw his assists fall by almost a full uh, assist per game. His turnovers went down a little bit. But he, you have to become even more of a – a little bit more of a role player, I guess, when right. you're playing with LeBron. Everyone else is a role player when LeBron James is on your team. And – and Kyrie is a very good role player, obviously, in this situation. But 
I think until LeBron kind of goes into that next phase of his career um, or, you know, whatever happens with, with his future in Cleveland or outside of Cleveland, I think until Kyrie Irving has really kind of handed the keys to this franchise, which might not be for a couple more years, um, I think his production probably stays in the low 20s as far as scoring and assists maybe in five to seven per game. Yeah, I, I mean, team context was taken into account in these rankings, so it's not um, just pure ability. So I don't really see LeBron leaving Cleveland anytime soon. And if we're talking about like the next phase of his career, I don't see him like ever not being just incredibly involved in the offense you know he's not going to turn into like just kind of a Vince Carter role player type of guy yeah like, that's what I wanted to ask you he's like well first of all like I don't see him ever leaving Cleveland either no. but like the only situation in which he would do that is like if it's a mutual parting type of thing I'm trying to think of an example almost like a Paul Pierce with the Celtics I don't oh, know okay like, so yeah so like say he's just on the team like seven years from now and right. they have nobody around him and they they need to rebuild yeah, yeah. and they ship him off for draft picks yeah i could see like that they would never trade him and uh, you know for their own gain basically without asking him right cause. yeah i mean he, yeah he's not going anywhere i mean these these rankings are you really i'm not i'm not going to extrapolate out like five or six years it's more kind of like two three four years down the road because like you might not be in a fantasy league that you're in right now, like five or six years down the road. So, I mean, it's not, it doesn't make sense to kind of plan that far in advance. So I think Kyrie Irving is, <coughs> is definitely going to be at best the second option in Cleveland for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. All right. Like we said, D'Angelo Russell's at number four behind Kyrie. Uh, number five, Carl Anthony Towns. Six, Kawhi Leonard. Seven, Rudy Gobert. And eight, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, which of these four guys, uh, I guess, do we want to touch on first? We can start with Towns. He's, a, he's only 19 years old, obviously coming in as a rookie. He joins D'Angelo Russell as the two highest rookies on this team, or on well, this list, excuse me. What I, I, here's a question I want to ask you. Like, I think in terms of just pure upside, like if, if they were to reach their absolute ceiling, I think uh, Davis, Towns, and Anna. Anna DeCompo would top this list if you were just talking about pure ceiling. Like if they, if everything works perfectly, I think those are the three most. I think I would put Wiggins guys. ahead of Towns. Okay, I I like that. I mean, I love I love. I that do. You think I that. like Towns a lot, but I don't think he has like that next level gear of athleticism that Davis has and that Wiggins has. He's a good athlete, but he's he's not like a great great athlete. He has that. That smart, sort of though. I can do literally everything thing. Yeah, though. that's true. You know, I mean, like he can he can shoot, he can block. Who did shots. you like? Who did you like more as a prospect coming out, Davis or Towns? Davis by like a, <laughs> by a decent amount. Right? I mean, yeah, that's like I haven't liked anybody as much as Davis coming out. Yeah, yeah. since like LeBron James. Right. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I I completely agree with you. I just think Davis is on another right, level. Even yeah. at, even at the college level, it was clear that he was like that much better than Carl yeah. Towns. And that's not that's saying a lot because Carl Towns is really, really good. I guess I, I think Towns could be like the closest thing in the league to Davis, uh other than Davis, and he's got the post game that Davis doesn't really have. Um That's true. I mean he doesn't have the body though. He has, he's not like the physical freak. Even when you look at him, his shoulders are a little more narrow. He doesn't have the huge yeah. wingspan. I mean he's he's not like if you compare him to Davis, like he's going to come up short, like in every comparison. But if you just compare really him to like any other young big man, like he's going to. Would you bet that he'll be better than Blake Griffin? Because Blake Griffin's really good. Uh, he had a hell of a year last year. I think that that's really close. Like, 
I, I don't mean, think people maybe thought Blake Griffin was going to be quite this good. I don't think no, I did. No, no, no. Yeah, I thought he was going to be kind of like a, like a 20 and 10 guy that maybe needed a ton of volume like to get his to get his numbers. I would you know? I would have even thought maybe like in the 17 18 range. I didn't think he had the scoring ability and the playmaking ability that he showed. Like he's gotten the play, a lot better. I didn't see the playmaking ability. Right, the assist at all. numbers. Um Yeah, no. I I like I like Blake quite a bit coming out, but I mean Towns has so much more defensive potential than Griffin and uh, I mean, he could be one of those true centers that you literally just dump it down, and that's like two points if he's close enough. How do you see this Minnesota front court working out? They have Pekovic back. He's got $36 million left on his deal in three years. Uh, Gorgie Jang is on the final year of his rookie deal. Kevin Garnett is still there. Obviously, Towns is there. Shabazz Muhammad can play a little bit of stretch four. I mean, I don't think they're going to restrict Towns as far as you know burying him behind guys like Pekovic or Jang, but... You have three guys that you kind of want in, you know, in your rotation at that center spot. You can kind of throw Garnett in there. I think he's going to be limited quite a bit um, as basically a player coach this year. But mm-hmm. do they have to move one of those guys? Pekovic's deal looks on paper very imposing, but with the cap set to expand, it's a little bit more manageable. I think if he is healthy for the first half of the year, and you know, even if he's only playing low twenties as far as minutes per game, if he proves that he can be the low post scorer that he was two years ago, I think they might end up looking to flip him at the deadline. But it's going to be hard to find a partner that's willing to take on a three-year deal for a guy that's been as injured as he has. Yeah, I, I think it's not going to surprise anyone if Pekovic gets hurt again, hurt again this it year. It would surprise me if he um, didn't get hurt. Right, right. So that might sort itself out. I think uh, we're in agreement that Garnett's going to see like fewer than 20 minutes a game, even as the starter. Uh, Gorgi Jang and... And Shabazz Muhammad are the two guys that I'm most interested in and most uh, hopeful that they will get legitimate minutes because I'm I'm a pretty big fan of both of those guys. But Towns is not going to have any restrictions at all rookie year. I don't. I mean, he's going to play like 35 minutes a game. I would expect. I well, I hope he does. But the, I mean, you can't really play him and Jang together, can you? I I mean, I think that Jang, I Jang will just be like. Like, nobody is going to affect Towns' minutes. Like, he's just going to play a lot. Like, that's what they did I with Wiggins. So. I mean, yeah. the fact that we have a guy to kind of, like, just from last season to compare this to, I mean, I think that that... Uh, yeah, but they also had so many injuries last year that it almost it almost helped him. Like, there really wasn't that issue. Like, same with yeah, Levine. Like, Levine averaged but, way more minutes than he should but have. But they're... I think the Timberwolves know where they are as an organization. Like they're not, which is not something you can often say about the Timberwolves. They're not going to fool themselves and like try to compete. And even if they were to try to do that, they'll know by like December 15th, that they're not contenders. So like, it's going to be, what's scary about this group is like, like you said, they know where they are and like, they're going to be, a bad team record-wise this year, mm-hmm. but I think I mean, this is going to be a One huge... One of the f- most fun teams to right, watch. Right, they're going to be super sure. fun to watch. They have a lot of youth on this team, as we know, and they're probably going to finish bottom 10. So you're going to add another piece to this young core in the offseason, probably, you know, for sure a lottery pick, I think we can agree, and you know, maybe as high as end of the back mm-hmm. end of the top six or seven picks. So and this core is just going to keep getting deeper and deeper. Um, and, you know, they're really, they kind of have a guy at each position almost at this point. You know, you got Rubio at the point. They're going to start Levine at shooting guard. He's young. Wiggins at small forward, Towns, um, and then kind of take your pick out of those front court guys that we just mentioned. So, a lot to be excited about in Minnesota, and a, a quick turnover, um, like we said before, since the end of the Kevin Love days. Uh, you have Kawhi Leonard at number six. We talked about him. I think you asked me the question earlier this week: um, Who could have a higher peak as or, as an overall player? Or I think the question was: Who would you be more confident in saying they've already peaked oh, out, okay, of, out okay. of Kawhi and and Kyrie? 
Um, because both of those guys have been like so established for so so long, yet they're both still under twenty five. Right. Uh, I think I would say that I think I would bet. I don't know. I, from a fantasy perspective, I think it's probably Kawhi has already peaked. I don't see him as ever being capable of being a number one option. I still don't like his ability to create necessarily, and he doesn't strike me as a guy who's necessarily going to develop that. How long, like, because so I'm kind of under the assumption that eventually, like, each season he's going to grab, like, a slightly bigger role on offense, like, each year, but that might not happen. Like, I mean, I think we've kind of been – uh, watching what he's done in the postseason every year and been like, all right, this next season he's going to really break out after that postseason performance, and then it it just goes back to, like, regular season Kawhi. Uh, I mean, maybe he just doesn't. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think – I don't think he uh, – well, you know, everybody, you know, talks about his demeanor and his – you know, he's calm and quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, like, doesn't care by any means, but I don't think he necessarily has this, like, need to be a superstar. I think he, <laughs> yeah, he I certainly think doesn't. pretty content with um, with his role. And that's not to say that he's, you know, not going to work toward that. I just don't think he has, like, this burning desire to have his own team. I think the the creating for others thing that you brought up is, is a really good point because I think you could compare him to, like, Scottie Pippen in terms of athleticism and everything. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't have the Pippen, uh, like, just run the offense gene, you know? Like, I mean, Pippen could run – an offense like when when Jordan was playing baseball, right. uh, I don't think Kawhi really has that, and that's why he's six on the list. We'll I mean, see if Lamarcus Aldridge goes to play minor league <laughs> baseball. I think maybe we'll find him. Yeah, that, that'd be ideal. Um, yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. It's like I think had Lamarcus Aldridge not signed with San Antonio, maybe we would have got to see a little bit more of Kawhi the creator this year. But Kawhi in, the creator, yeah, that's, that's you're bringing in a guy like like Aldridge who's just going to kind of suck up more possessions. I think. And I think Kawhi's probably fine with that, like we said. But, you know, it might not be until LaMarcus Aldridge gets a little bit older. And at, at the point that he's done with his current deal, Duncan will be long gone. Parker will be likely long gone. Ginobili will be gone. And at that point is when we finally might get to see that. And Kawhi would be like 28 at that point. So he's still young. And there's there's still a lot of time. He did increase his usage this year from, from 18% up to 23, which is fairly high yeah, uh, a, for, a, a, big for a wing in that offense. It's yeah. a pretty big jump. So, I mean, maybe maybe it's just... We're not watching quite enough regular season Spurs basketball, but yeah, in that system, it is just Speak hard for to kind of. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck watching Bucks Sixers. Or, did you ca- did you catch any preseason games yet? Um, I've seen like a lot of highlights. I haven't sat down and taken an entire game yet. Yeah, Bucks Bulls was Bucks absolutely Bulls. riveting. Johnny O'Brien has it, switched over to number 77 this year, so I'm pretty oh. thrilled about. Is he on the list here? He's under 25. Well, we'll we'll get to him. His number is no longer <laughs> under 25. But, um, all right, so Rudy Gobert is at seven. Giannis Antetokounmpo at eight. We can touch quickly. I think Gobert, you know, we know what he's about. We know why he's mm-hmm. on this list, and I think everybody's expecting a big leap from him. Giannis is probably on this list more so, or as high as he is on this list, more so uh, because of his potential, maybe more than anyone else, right? Right. Like, he's got more projection left, I think, than anyone in this tier. Uh, maybe maybe you could say Towns is kind of – but, I mean, yeah, it's – it's really just kind of what you think he can be in the next two or three years. Like it's, I have no idea what he's going to be like in three years. Like anything, you could tell me anything. Like you could tell me he didn't get any better. You could tell me that he's like one of the five best players in the league. Yeah. That's the thing. I, 
and you know it's only, there's only been one preseason game so far and it's going to probably take until January February before we really know what kind of improvement he's shown you know from from year 2 to year 3 mm-hmm. but this is kind of the year for him and he's so young that there's He this, needs to show like market improvements like in some specific If you're going to be a superstar in the league right? it's very it's usually clear by year 3 yeah. and you don't have to have your peak year no. at year 3 but you have to have a year that he says He needs to bust out if right. if he's going to and last year was not a bust out year by no, any means. It was but a bust out yet, year from like a highlight perspective. You know, you had I mean, the, but we we talk about how crazy it is that like Anthony Davis is twenty two. I mean, Giannis is twenty. Like right. so, it's like he doesn't need to, he didn't need to have a bust out year last year. He right. was nineteen. Like so, right. This is the year. Though. Right. Right. This is the sure. year. And I think he's almost hurt from a stats perspective that they added Greg Monroe to this team. I think. You know they're they're so solid in that top five now that he's not going to be asked to to have a high usage rate and and make a lot of plays for this team even though I think he will end up doing that um, the pressure won't necessarily be there so you know well, whether that helps or harms his development I guess you can argue you know I, I don't he's just not going to be thrown into the fire as much as a guy like you know Wiggins and, and that's not that's not his comparison you know he doesn't have to be Andrew Wiggins but he's not just going to be given the ball and said all right here we go go score you know as much as some of these other young guys are no his his talent though needs to kind of force the issue like i mean he needs to kind of just naturally take over like a bigger role in the offense because he's like too good not to you know i mean i don't think they need to like run plays or like force him down people's throats but like he needs to just naturally on raw ability become a bigger part of the offense yeah absolutely and I, i think he will this season and He's got basically he's got to get over league average PER before people start anointing him as a star. Sure, I mean, sure. He's he's a fun guy to watch and he produces a lot of highlights. He's a you know a guy who can uh, you know go viral pretty quickly. But if you look at the numbers, I mean he just really wasn't all that good no. in year two. So um, a lot to get excited about, but still a little bit of a, a ways to go for Giannis. All right, moving into tier three, you have these guys labeled solid second or third options, and, and I assume that means at their peak, right? Once they once they fully develop, or are you talking right now? Um, I mean, I just didn't know what to name this tier. Like, <laughs> well, I guess right now yeah. if you look at it, I mean, a lot most of these guys would be solid second yeah. and third options. Um, uh, I mean, like, yeah, you wouldn't really say that Michael Carter Williams is like a second or well, third. Maybe option you wouldn't say that. necessarily, or I mean, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think most. Yeah, you're right. Most of these guys are legitimately probably top three options on their team, and uh, guys that contribute. Um, maybe maybe a lot of these guys are better in fantasy than reality type of guys too. Yeah, yeah. We'll start. Nikola Vucevic is at number nine. He's twenty four. His teammate Oladipo, twenty three year old. He's at ten. Another Orlando Magic player at number eleven. Tobias Harris, Beal at twelve. Favors at thirteen. Middleton fourteen. And Drummond fifteen. I really like Andre Drummond quite a bit. Um, you and I have spoke at length about him. Is this just kind of a we don't know what he's going to bring from a free throw percentage perspective just because of how big of a hit that is in Roto Leagues? Yeah, I mean, he was unbelievably bad at shooting free throws last year. Well, I think, what was it, like 38% or 39% or something like that? Um, just, you, it's it's hard to be that bad at shooting free throws. And he also, I don't know if a ton of people realize this, he dropped like 10 points in field goal percentage too. Like, he was in the 60s. And then he was like in the low fifties this past season, which is not like a guy like with his game should not be shooting like fifty one percent from the field. So uh, a couple question marks in terms of the efficiency. I I don't know if he's. It's hard to rank a guy higher than fifteenth on this list when I would not project him to ever shoot better than fifty percent from the line. 
Right, and he was down in like the mid to low th- or mid to high thirties yeah. last year. Like that, that's like another level. You yeah. can you can tolerate a guy who shoots in like the low sixties or high fifties, yeah. but I like, mean that's that's like significantly worse than Shaq ever was. Yeah, you know? exactly. And right, and I mean Drummond is so good at you know, rebounding, even scoring around the hoop. But he should also like we were talking about this too. I think he played like thirty two minutes a game last year, something like that. I think he only blocked like 1.8 or 1.9 shots a game. Like right. a guy with his skill, like he should be blocking like two and a half shots a game if he's playing that much time. Right, and he's always playing center too. Right. He's never being dragged away from the basket. Yeah, that's. I think that may be his biggest criticism. I think if you look at where his shots came from last year, in year one, 82% of his shots came within three feet, 81% in year two, and that number sunk down to 68%. So I don't know. I mean, is he is he making an effort to expand his range? I guess. I think that's probably something you want, but at the same time, when – you have a guy who shoots, you know, sixty-two percent from inside inside three feet. Just just stick with what you know. Yeah, he's he's certainly flawed. I mean, that's that's why he's here. I mean, if he if he didn't have some of these flaws, like he might be like three or four on this list. You know, it's it's like a crazy package. Like his strengths are are remarkable. I mean, his rebounding right. uh, is is off the charts. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely got some flaws. Right, we've seen his numbers pretty much stay the same over the last two years. Scoring, blocks, rebounds numbers have been within you know one percentage point uh, of each other. But I think this is the year that we'll see things kind of mix up, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse, just because you have year two of Stan Van Gundy. He's got kind of his own personnel in there now. They're going to run more of a stretch four next to him, You know, be that Marcus Morris, Ersan Ilyasova. He's not going to be playing alongside Greg Monroe anymore, basically. And he's going to kind of be in that Dwight Howard role, you know, that 9 Magic team. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think Van Gundy is trying to form this Detroit team into. And if you look at the personnel that, that he's brought in, it, it, it is similar. And, you know, they use Richard Lewis in that in that Ursan role. And I think I don't think Ursan's going to, you know, fill that as well as Richard Lewis did. But they're going to play through Andre Drummond maybe a little bit more. And I think he's going to see more touches and be a little bit more involved in this offense. Do you think Drummond is ever going to have a season or like a, a run of seasons like prime Dwight Howard had offensively? Like, you know, in in those in those peak like magic teams, Dwight Howard Dwight Howard was averaging like 20 a game, uh 22 a game, you know, I mean, do you ever see Drummond getting that high in points per game? <sighs> I don't know. I think it certainly could happen. I think it's uh, it's just a matter of volume, you know, at this point. And Dwight Howard was shooting high 50s, low 60s in all those years. I mean, his five-year peak from 07 to the end of the 2011-2012 season, his final season in Orlando, he averaged 21, 14, an assist and a half, a steal, and two and a half blocks. I think those were all attainable numbers, right? I mean, the rebounding numbers are certainly attainable for Drummond. I think he can get there no problem. The scoring, you're basically asking him to score – four more points per game the free throw line is where that could come and I think, he will, you know? well and and Dwight Howard was shooting almost 60 percent from the line in some of those seasons which is right he was 57.9 percent yeah. over that five year span I mean, which is Drummond's bad, never like, gonna Drummond's never gonna touch right that, so. but that, that might be the difference for Drummond right. if he if he goes from 35 percent to 59 percent well, probably yeah, right up there at 20 be, points per game if he does that then I'm just gonna be like well what the hell were you doing these past couple seasons like <laughs> right. if he's if got that in is his, so so yeah, bad like, that's why I just I don't see him ever getting over 50 because if that was like in his you know release you know in his stroke if that if that number was in there I think he would have already kind of shown it yeah absolutely okay let's touch on these magic guys real quick numbers nine through 11 Vucevic Oladipo and Tobias Harris are all on your list. 
So obviously, judging by the rankings, you like Vucevic a little bit more as a future fantasy guy. I feel like Victor Oladipo could end up jumping him in a couple of years. Yeah, I I just I struggled with how to order these guys. Um, I mean, they're kind of clustered together. So like, if you wanted to say that you liked one of them more than the other, I wouldn't really argue with you at all. Uh, Vucevic really doesn't have any flaws except that he's not that much of a rim protector, but you know, really efficient. Uh, both from the line and from the field. Uh, 20 and 10 guy, basically, as long as he's healthy. So that's kind of nice to be able to bank on. Uh, Oladipo, though, definitely, I think, has the highest ceiling out of these three. Yeah, absolutely. I think he – I mean, the biggest comparison for him coming out of Indiana was Russell Westbrook, right? Mm-hmm. And fair or not – I think he, he, I, I, I would go more – that that was a comparison. Like, I would compare him – I would say he's kind of like a poor man's D. Wade. Yeah, um, I think that's more fair. You just, I mean, I, I don't think you can ever probably a better three point shooter than Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I, I'm surprised by how well he shoots it from three. Right, he, he doesn't have that kind of release that you feel great about. Yeah, he has more of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I could see that. I could see his effectiveness from three point range kind of fluctuating. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's like, you know, guaranteed to shoot better than thirty five percent. No, not at all. And he, and he never has yet. I mean, he was right around 34 last season. I think that's probably, you know, the 33 to 36 range for, for most of his career. But, you know, 18 points a game last year. The rebounds and assists numbers right around four per game, uh, 1.7 steals per game. So a guy who contributes uh, on both ends of the court. I like Oladipo a lot going forward. Tobias Harris, I'm a, eh, you know, I'm not quite as high on him, I guess, as, as I am with Vucevic and Oladipo. But then you look, and Tobias Harris is the same age as Victor Oladipo, and it seems mm-hmm. like he's been around – forever at this point and just we're still kind of waiting on him to really break out it seems like he's still kind of been in that role player uh spot for Orlando despite you know I think I'm assuming he led them in scoring last year it was either him or Vucevic right I think it was Vucevic they all had to be right around there um Harris is kind of I would say he's better in fantasy than reality just because you don't really get hurt that much by his defensive limitations uh he's He's got I mean what what can't he really do on offense? Like it's it's pretty it's a pretty nice skill set. I mean, he doesn't really create the that biggest much. The thing for him was the jump in three-point shooting. Yeah. I mean, going from 25% 2 years ago to 36% yeah. this year. I think I mean, he's a poor man's Carmelo Anthony to me. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's kind of like he might just end up being like Paul Millsap. I mean, he's he's got a really a really solid I think he could game. end up better than Paul Millsap. Maybe not a better rebounder. Uh, maybe not as yeah. crafty, but he's much more athletic. But I mean, st- yeah, even if even if he only becomes like Paul Millsap, Millsap was awesome last year. I mean, he was like one of the two or three best players on like a sixty win team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's. I don't think any like dynasty league owners are going to be upset if that's just what Harris ends up being. All right, so you said Bradley Beal is at twelve, Derek Favors thirteen, Chris Middleton fourteen, Drummond fifteen. Let's get into the sixteen through twenty range. Start with Jalil Okafor. He's at 16. He's 19 years old. Of course, a rookie for the 76ers. I don't really know what to expect from him this year. I think they're going to basically unleash him, and he's going to be able to play as many minutes as Brett Brown wants, right? I mean, there's really no path to any kind of competition for him. I think they're, they're willing to play him alongside Nerlens Noel. Um, so I, I think he was a tough guy to rank because, like, I could see us sitting down, like, around Christmas time and it being just 
blatantly obvious that he should be ahead of everybody else in this tier. Like if he's having, like if he comes out of the gate and is like a twenty and ten machine, like which he could be, then I think he's better than everybody else in this tier. But yeah, I just I don't. Know. It's kind of more of a wait and see thing with him. Right. I I think it would surprise me more if he struggles the first couple months. I, th- yeah. I think I would be more surprised and, and, if he... And I have seen some of him in preseason, and it, it's looked pretty good so far. Yeah. yeah, he has looked good. And I think playing alongside Noel is going to hide his defensive deficiencies. And he, that's was, be he blocked like three or four shots in that, that game, that preseason game. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's not like a great defender by any means. He doesn't say that, but he's not like yeah. he's not such a sieve that you can't afford to have he, him on the court. He's not going to ever get labeled as a great defender, I don't think, because he doesn't jump. Like, yeah. that's, that's what I was... Uh, talking about in the office the other day, like he just doesn't jump on his block shots. He's like standing there, and it's just because he's so huge and his hands are so big that he is going to block shots just by being there. Right, and with Noel kind of having his back defensively, yeah. I think that's going to help. The only thing is, if he does have a really great year, I mean, are you going to kind of see it as empty numbers just because he's in Philadelphia? I think we kind of saw this with Michael Carter Williams. He he cruised to a a rookie of the year yeah. not a couple of years ago, and then all of a sudden. You take him off that team and you realize, you know, when you're not playing at that pace and you're not getting that kind of usage, that the numbers can be a little bit artificially inflated. I don't – I mean, he's – Okafor's numbers are going to be better on bad teams than they would be on good teams just because there's going to be more offensive options on good teams. So in that sense, he might be a little empty. But I think – I mean, it just depends how many touches he gets. If he gets, you know, big-time touches and is used a ton, he's going to put up huge numbers, I think. I also think – it's less easy to inflate a big man's numbers. And yeah, and he's going to be can't just chuck shots. Yeah, he's, he's going to be just, really efficient. Like he's going to shoot better than 55% from the field I think this year. Yeah, and and we'll know if he's not, you know, if he's shooting yeah. in the in the high to mid 40s, then we'll know he's probably forcing a lot of bad looks. He's just not playing that well if, even though the the per game averages might look better, but if you're a guy like Carter Williams, I, I mean he was attempting a ton of three-pointers at that point at a low percentage, um, getting to the line a ton just because there weren't any other options. And I think when you look at it from a big man perspective, you just can't you can't bring the ball down and just pull mm-hmm. up. You know, like guys like Tony Roten and and Carter Williams with the Sixers did. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit harder to to artificially inflate those numbers. But I agree with you. I'm expecting a pretty big uh, first half and big season and, overall. And me. one of the sneaky like separators between Okafor and Towns is that Okafor is one of those big men that's going to hurt your free throw percentage a little bit, but he's not going to hurt it the way that Drummond's going to hurt it. Like he's going to be no. more in that kind of Tim Duncan range where it's like 60s, like low 60s, that kind of range, where uh, Towns legitimately could be like an 80% guy from the line. Yeah, well, and Okafor has a nice-looking release, too. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't look lost at the free-throw line. I think he's a guy who, with a little bit of work, could, and he's could got, easily... And he's got like a reliable like 10, 12-footer, right. too. Right, exactly, and that's usually a good sign. I mean, mm-hmm. Andre Drummond hasn't developed that no. at all, and I think that, that, that reflects on the free-throw line. Nerlens Noel is at 17. Okafor's teammate, Michael Carter-Williams, is at 23. Or at 18. Oh, 18, excuse me. He's 23 years old. He's at number 18. And it's Cantor at number 19. And rounding out the top 20 is Brandon Knight. So which of those four guys um, do, do we want to start with? Um, you know, I think, I think uh, Carter-Williams, Cantor, and Knight are all very similar in that they have some obvious limitations. Uh, I think the biggest question mark with Knight is just, how is he going to be in, in a full year in Phoenix with, with Eric Bledsoe? Because he really struggled after that trade, and I don't know how much of that was for real and how much of that was just kind of you know, him being sort of a fish out of water uh, in, in Phoenix just for that brief time. 
Uh, Noel is probably the guy. Like, I could see someone really taking issue with him being this low just because of what he does defensively. Like, I could see someone saying that they would take him over those magic guys just because he might be a, a two steal, two block a game guy. Where, but I just, I hate, I hate guys that I feel are not, are like below average offensive players. And I sort of think that that's what he's going to be. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be like, like for a guy his size, like a power forward center, I don't really see him ever shooting better than like, I don't know, like 49, 48% from the field. Like, I, I don't know. It's just. That's troubling from a fantasy perspective. Right, right. Like you want to be getting guys that are shooting like at least 50% from the field from those positions. Right. And yeah, I mean, that that's going to be the problem, I think, long term. And going back to Brandon Knight, I definitely agree that we're going to, it's going to be kind of a gamble if you're if you're gonna his numbers in milwaukee him. were ridiculous right like, they were and that's the thing it's like they were almost too good from what we've seen yeah. and, and like you said he didn't look very good after the trade i think he only played nine or ten games before going down so not really a sample size you can depend on there but it might take a couple months with this phoenix team just because there's so many moving pieces i mean Bledsoe aside you're bringing in a rookie in devin booker the marquise mm-hmm. morris situation is still i think cloudy. it's cloudy it's pretty safe to say though that going into the year you know he's one of your two best offensive players. So, like, um, especially if Morris gets moved. So, just just by that fact alone, you you got to assume the volume is going to be there for him. All right, Tier 4, you have these labeled as breakout candidates. Nikola Mirotic checks in at number 21, followed by, not surprisingly, Aaron Gordon at number 22. He's just 19. Julius Randle, 23. Zach Levine, 24. Jabari Parker, 25. Moutier, 26. Frank the Tank, Kaminsky at 27, and Dennis Schroeder at 28. So, first of all, I just want to say Aaron Gordon is way too high. Uh, oh, ab- I thought, above I thought, Julius I Randall. I going to say he's way too low. <laughs> Breakout candidates. Is he not broken out already? Above Julius Randle, above Jabari Parker, and, and worst of all, above Moutier? You know what? You know what he can do that none of those guys can do? Say he went to Arizona? Oh, that's a, that's a yeah, that's a given. But, uh, like, he can really play defense. Like, he's going to fill up those those hustle stats like he, I, I honestly think that he's got like a Sean Marion type of ceiling like I mean that's he a could, very good comparison he could be that type of guy that just fills it up in every single category and the fact that he's developing a three-point shot is incredibly encouraging uh, he's probably a better three-point shooter than than Randall uh, right now and obviously a better defender probably a better rebounder probably more efficient so yeah I mean I, I think that his upside is really with the separator here. Right, and defensively, like you said, he does give you quite a bit. Per 36 minutes, he's out a block a game and a steal per game. The question is whether and when he's going to get those minutes, you know, with that core in place. Well, don't of, don't you think he's, like, the obvious starter at the four, though? Like, I hope so. I, I, I mean, mean it would it'd be either him or Shannon Fry. Does he really right? have a position at this point, though? I mean, he, I mean I I've, think heard, the fact I've heard that talk that he could play shooting guard. Not start obviously, but could play at shooting. I mean, that just that just speaks to how awesome he is. But um, if if like if he's not starting at power forward, then that means like Shannon Fry starting at power forward. So I mean, good. I see him starting. It's a Shane good Go Cats problem to have. But like he, the fact that he's developing that three pointer, I mean, it just screams stretch four to me. Yeah, I think so too. I think maybe long term, I would almost have him as like a, a hyper athletic three type of guy who can outsize most of the guys that he would be up against. But, yeah, certainly has the potential to be a stretch four. I don't know what kind of percentage he has to shoot from three to kind of hold down that role for 
you know, 25 to 30 minutes per night. He was at 30 or 27% last year. I think you're expecting I'm, quite a bit I'm, of a jump. I'm thinking he's going to shoot like 34 to 36% this year. 36 would be high. I mean, I think I could even like you can live with 33, 34 mm-hmm. from a second year, 19 year old. Yeah, I mean, he might have like a Draymond Green esque stroke this year, which which would be fine given what he does elsewhere. Right. All right. So Julius Randle's at 23. He's a guy we really didn't get to see much of at all last season, going down with that broken foot early in the year. He's kind of a bit of a tweener to me. A guy I really liked at, in at the college level. I liked him at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I thought he was kind of built to to bully around guys in the SEC, and he pretty much did that for most of the year. But I'm just not sure how his game translates necessarily to the NBA level. He's listed at six nine, but I think he's probably closer to six eight, and you know, really a true power forward. I think he could end up rather than being a star in this league, you know, a high draft pick as a a lottery pick. I think he was sixth or seventh overall in the draft last year. I think he could end up more as like a Terrence Jones type of guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, than a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another young power I mean, forward you, like that. Do you think that he could end up being like a Tobias Harris type of guy? Like, yeah, I think he could be that. I think he's he's more in that tier than he is in like Blake Griffin tier. Oh, oh, right. Now, I don't think any people. Yeah, I don't think many no. people are saying that. But I think um, you know, coming out is at the pick. That I think he was. he's got like more. The 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 trouble with him is that as long as Kobe's there, I don't think he'll ever be able to fully uh, reach his offensive peak just because he's not going to get the touches. But you know, he could be like a 22, 23 point a game guy on a bad team. I think if in the right situation. So I think he's that talented offensively. Uh, Leaves a lot to be desired defensively. We'll see uh, how deep he can shoot. I saw him shooting some three-pointers the other day, but it definitely looked a little little shaky, so I don't know if that's going to be a big part of his game right away. Yeah, he's got those short arms. I don't love that shooting <laughs> no, style. They, they yeah. are, they're weird looking. He just doesn't like a, look as like, like, like a T-Rex. For, you're right, exactly. For as athletic as he is, he doesn't look the part necessarily right. until he gets into the air. Zach Levine is at number 24. Jabari Parker, 25, like we said. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier at 26. I think he is way too low. Um, oh, really? I don't think is the gap between him and D'Angelo Russell that big. I mean, 22. For spots. me, it is. I mean, I you could definitely argue it's not, but I, I think it's that big. I don't know if it is from a fantasy perspective because I think Moutier is going to see huge minutes, probably right uh, around the same workload that Russell would see, and maybe more. Minutes. It's not from a usage perspective, but I think like D'Angelo Russell has superstar potential. Like I think he could be like a top 10 pick annually, whereas I think Moutier is like if he's ever like a top 25 pick that would be pretty impressive to me yeah i think his upside is just as high as d'angelo russell's we're gonna we're gonna have to disagree on i this think one. d'angelo russell has a better chance to get to what his upside is or his peak but i think the upside is just as high he's bigger than russell but by, by a hair i guess russell's russell is bigger than I than he looks. I yeah. think he's listed at what, six four, six five. I think he's six four. Or yeah, like I, I think six, he's listed five. at six five, but he's probably closer. Just Moutier's size, the athleticism. I think he he has the potential to be really I, really good. I just don't. Uh, he could be Baron Davis. That's that's who he reminds me of a lot. That bigger bodied type of guy. Okay. Not as good of a passer as Baron Davis. Not many are. Well, like I think D'Angelo Russell could be Chris Paul. Like, I mean, I, I think that that's that's yeah. not a crazy statement. I wish I was because I was only what the. 10, 11 years old when Chris Paul was drafted. I wish I knew like what I would have thought of him at the time that he was coming out because he's so undersized. You know, there really hasn't been a guy at that I, size that like people were that in love with to take I as don't, high as he went. I, don't, I wasn't thinking superstar with Chris Paul. No? Um, and like the Hawks always just get murdered for taking Marvin Williams uh, ahead of him. But I was actually more 
confident in Darren Williams coming out than I was Chris Paul, and that that's obviously incorrect. But for a while there, it was fairly close between those two. I think I, I was as a 11 or 12 year old more confident in D Brown than anybody <laughs> coming out. I, I remember you know just being young I, back then. I was, I was like, a Luther like, Head guy. Oh right, <laughs> great one of the great rockets of our time, Luther Head. Um, well, I remember yeah watching those games and just because D Brown was the de facto star of that team. He was the guy that was on the he SI covers. He was like covers. the star because he had cornrows. Right, oh, and like long the, socks. Yeah, like, well, seriously. Uh, but like, he was he was the face of that team, despite being like arguably yeah. like the fifth best player. Yeah. He he was the face he of that team. He was a classic college player. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he should have been like an option quarterback. Like, he was just a, a Would guy it have surprised you if he had resurfaced as like a quarterback at no. Duke in, no. <laughs> in five years? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Not Go at Gary Paulus. Right, that. exactly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he was definitely the most fun. I remember watching the drafts like, Jesus. Teams are just missing out on this Man, team. This, this, this five nine guy that can just shoot shoot it like he just chucks it all day. He's got cornrows. What what are they missing? Yeah, here? I felt the same way about AC Law. I felt the same way about Sleem Stoudemire. Uh, yeah, all three over wow. three, big time there. Yeah. Um, Frank Kaminsky at twenty seven. This is a guy that we talked about on the preview podcast as a a true center, but a guy who's definitely capable of sliding down and kind of being a stretch four. I almost see him as. A stretch five. Yeah. Like you, you can kind of play two centers with, with Al Jefferson, presumably going to play you know, 32, 33 minutes per game for this team. I like, I like the fit in in Charlotte, but I also, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, I'd give it like a B, like a B plus maybe in terms of a fit because you'd like him to be the center on a team that had maybe like a Serge Ibaka type rim protector at the four, but. That's just not a situation that a guy like Frank is going to be given, like, right out of college. You know, I think he could work his way into that type of situation. But I really think the usage is going to be high. And I'm, and this is me kind of banking on the Hornets doing the right thing. Like, they might not use him. Like, they might still think that... They haven't really shown a whole lot of competence. They, they might they might still think that, Tyler, or that uh, Cody Zeller is good, which is an incorrect... Um, opinion if that's if that's one they still hold but I'm assuming that they are ready to move on from that as like a starter on their lineup so uh, if that's the case I think that Kaminsky is gonna be useful in fantasy from day one yeah I think so too I think he there are a lot of questions as to how his game is going to translate to the NBA level I think it's going to translate surprisingly well that doesn't mean I think he's going to be a star at any point Mm -hmm. he's never going to be an all-star or anything like that but I think he's going to be a guy who is a rotational player and, from day one, and that's not going to surprise me. And he's one of those big men that's going to uh, help you in all the um, the shooting stats. You know, like he could shoot like fifty percent from the field, forty percent from the line, eighty percent from the free throw line in his prime. Right. I think he's going to get to the line quite a bit too. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy you have to close out on as a shooter, and if you don't, he's going to go by you with, with his crafty ways of getting and, to the hoop, and he gets fouled a ton. And we talked about like. Some of the matchups he's going to find with with power forwards guarding him are going to be extremely advan- advantageous on the block. Right, and it goes both ways. You know, you don't necessarily yeah. like him guarding them on the other end, but yeah, he's he's going to have the upper hand in in most of his matchups. You would think just because of that that two way ability to put it on the floor mm-hmm. and to shoot it from three. All right, tier five starting with number twenty nine, Terrence Jones. You have Valanciunas at thirty, Harrison Barnes thirty one, Alfred Payton thirty two. McCollum, 33, and Shabazz Muhammad, 34. Um, one or two guys you want to talk about in this tier? Uh, well, it was a tough it was a tough tier to rank because, like, for instance, Harrison Barnes, 
I love as a player and I love his abilities, but I hate his situation. Whereas like Alfred Payton, I don't love as a player. I don't love what he brings to the table, but I love his situation. So it's, it's kind of hard to sort of rationalize where to put these guys. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad is, is another guy like Harrison Barnes, where if he was on a different team, I'd like him a lot more. Uh, CJ McCollum, maybe another guy like Alfred Payton, where I just love the role that he's going to be in this year for Portland. So, um, obviously flawed guys. Terrence Jones, you know what surprised me a lot is that he almost blocked two shots a game last year. Like, I did not – like He's really, really good. Like, I did not ever see that when he came out of Kentucky. No. You know, like – I remember watching him in high school when he was, he was playing out in Portland or something like that, and he, he was playing point guard for his high school team, and probably a lot of guys do that, you know, mm-hmm. at that level. But I remember thinking, like, oh, this guy could end up being kind of, you know, not a point guard in the NBA, of course, but a guy who's a little bit more of a playmaker, and he's – He's just kind of sunk into like being a really, really, really good role player mm-hmm. so far in his career, and seems to be embracing that. And like, it's just perfect for what the Rockets need. And he was hurt for so much of last year. If he can stay healthy, I mean, that that Rockets team was a two seed. That's why last year. That's I mean, I said on the Western Conference pod that they're my title pick, and that's that's partly just kind of a you know, there's nothing fun or exciting about saying, I think the Warriors are going to win the title. No. Like, you know, but I, I honestly think the Rockets have, once the playoffs start, as long as they're semi-healthy, like, they're just going to have so many pieces. Like, Modi Yunus, I love. Like, he didn't qualify for this list, uh, but he he would have been pretty high. Like, that's that's the thing about Jones is he has to share time with uh, Modi Yunus, who might be even better. Right. we got Sam Decker. Adding into that, too. Sure. He's not on the list, shockingly. No, he didn't um, make it. All right, tier six, 35, Ricky Rubio, 36, Otto Porter, 37, Marcus Smart, 38, Jordan Clarkson, 39, is Bobby Covington, and 40, Jared Sullinger. Not a ton to talk about no. with, with these guys. The, I don't like Jared Sullinger. Uh, I think he, he barely played in their preseason opener. And it, I, just, I think he's kind of worn out as welcome in Boston. Okay, well... I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, Robert Covington and Sullinger were actually guys that I initially had off the list, and I just added, kind of last second, just because I thought that their playing time was going to be such this year that they kind of had to be on. But this whole tier is just guys I don't like, but guys whose uh, situations this year sort of warrant being on the list. Right, and Covington is is high on our. I think he's number forty five. In our, in our overall rankings going into this season, just because, like you said, the volume, he puts up a ton of three-pointers in an offense that allows him to do that. Mm-hmm. There's really no expectations in Philadelphia. So the only thing with him is, like, everybody on that team except for Okafor and Noel basically are replaceable. Right. Like, like, he, like if Covington gets traded, then he instantly becomes, like, a nothing from a fantasy perspective. Because if he was on, like, any other team, literally any other like, team, he would see, like, 15 to 20 minutes a game. Right, exactly, and that's that's the problem with any Sixers. You know, like I love Kendall Marshall, I love Pierre Jackson, but you what's going to happen? You love Pierre Jackson? Do you not love the that's, Pappy God? Yeah, that's. that's <laughs> I know. Do you like TJ McConnell to win that job or what? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the rounding out the top fifty. Ugh, uh, and of course we'll start with the cat. Stanley Johnson is at forty-one. Uh, I think you must must have had this backwards. I can't believe he's not number one. He's just nineteen years old. Joseph Nurkic is at 42, TJ Warren 43, Chris Stapps at 44, Justice Winslow 45, Booker 46, Raul Neto, who I know you like quite a bit, at 47, Exum 48, Capella, who had a very nice showing on Wednesday night, 
at 49 and Kyle Anderson rounding out the top 50. Moving quickly through these, we're a little bit short on time. Kristaps Porzingis, are you, do you think he's just a few years away? Um, you know, as far maybe more than three or four years away from being like a really good player in this league. It's just so hard to have a opinion about him. I I really could see it going any number of ways. Uh, I like everybody in this tier more as a player than the guys in the tier ahead of them. I just am assuming that with most of these guys, it's going to take a year or two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't. I'm not expecting much from Porzingis at all no. in year one. Um, yeah, I think he'll have the occasional highlight. You know, the occasional maybe 15 point eight rebound game, but he's, I just don't think he's going to play enough minutes, and he's just not quite ready at this point to to see a, a huge minute load. Um, Clint Capella, super raw, played at the end of last season, kind of out of necessity with all the injuries in Houston. You kind of got to wonder if the if the Rockets stay relatively healthy, is he going to be kind of relegated to the bench for a lot of the year but like I said he played really yeah. well Wednesday night he's he's a great athlete like he might play one. like he might play like 18 minutes a game and still be viable in all formats just because he's going to be so crazy with the blocks well he's perfect for the way this team plays right? yeah and like Capella and Neto are the two guys on this list that you could maybe get in your leagues for like a ridiculous discount like just because people don't really know who they are but Neto especially. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're guys you got to just be targeting in almost all formats. Um, Capella more so for Dynasty, but like Neto I would still target in like single-season leagues. All right, last guy I want to talk about before we head out today, Justice Winslow. He's at 45. That seemed low to me at first, but the more and more I've been reading about Winslow since the draft is that he might not be quite as NBA-ready as everybody thought. So I actually don't really buy that. I, I don't – I mean, that's – you're talking about like Dwayne Wade's comments, right? Like, I mean, I just I think that that's just sort of like veteran NBA player, like who has a guy come in who's basically going to replace Wade one day, like just kind of dogging him a little. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I I don't really buy into those comments at all, but I do acknowledge that Winslow's really not going to be useful at all from a fantasy perspective this year. No, I don't think so either, and that's partially due to the fact that the Heat are going to be a really good team, and they're going to be really deep, and they're just not going to rely on him to mm-hmm. do a lot. You know, if he was on an, on another team, on, on Kings, for example, I don't like like they might rely on Gerald Green more than him right. this year, just because there's a, they're not going to have time to give him the minutes. Exactly, to there's develop a higher him. floor for a guy like right. Gerald Green. This right. is a, this is a Heat team that's going to be chasing a top two or right. three seed in the East. They don't. You know, that's not to say that that Winslow can't contribute and he will contribute, but he's, he's not going to be trusted to go and play 25 minutes. Even if Wade is banged up, I think, like you said, they would look to a guy like Gerald Green, you know, and maybe even look for more to Luol Deng before they would rely on Justice Winslow. So I think he's kind of seen as more of a future piece. Uh, just kind of, he's a luxury for them, really. I mean, they're not your usual team that picks 10th in the draft. You know, that, that wasn't a, a lottery team last year. They had some things break the opposite way with Chris Bosh, with Dwayne Wade being hurt, and, and the Drogic thing just never quite working out with Bosh not in the lineup so you're just adding you know an, an extra an extra bonus piece to a really good team and I don't think they need to use them until maybe next year or the year after who do you think has a bigger role this year out of Stanley Johnson and Devin Booker that's a very good question I think it's going to be Stanley Johnson just because Stan Van Gundy's roster is going to be a little bit more wide open whereas Booker is behind Bledsoe and Brandon Knight yeah, Booker's a natural shooting guard right do you think just... he can slide up and play the three though I think that that would be very dicey. He's especially, much bigger than I thought he was. Seeing him in Vegas, like, I mean, he's big. 
I don't think you want him guarding a lot of threes. And I also think that like the fact that he's sharing time with Knight and Bledsoe makes it really um, like like it, if those three are on the court together and one of them has to guard like a big two and one of them has to guard a three. That's not good. Well, that was the problem that they had last year when you threw Drogic and mm-hmm. and Isaiah Thomas into that into that. But fray. then, like, you have like one mismatch there. Whereas, yeah. like, if if Booker's on the court with those guys, then you have like two potentially huge right. mismatches. Yeah, that's the thing. And so I, I think Devin Booker's going to force his way into that rotation because mm-hmm. I think he's going to be really good. But I don't, I just don't think the minutes the path to minutes are there. I mean, they have even if he was to slide and play the three, they have PJ Tucker who's been seeing huge minutes at that spot. I think they kind of like him as that that do-it-all glue guy. So not not as clear of a path to minutes for him. I think Stanley Johnson can play two positions, at least two, probably two and a half uh, right now. And, and he's looked better than anybody so far in, in the preseason. So I think I don't think Stan Van Gundy was lying over the summer when he said every spot is open on this team. Um, and, and I could definitely see Stanley Johnson kind of forcing his way into that small forward rotation uh, just because the Pistons have options. They have veterans. that They're deep, but they there's just nobody that you get very, very excited about on the wing on that roster. So before we wrap up, is there anyone from the honorable mention group that you think should have been on the, the list? Um, I think Rodney Hood could sneak his way into the back end, uh, depending on what he does this year. But, you know, the fact that he was pretty limited last year, I, I can see why he's honorable mention. Willie Cauley-Stein's on this list. I don't think he's going to be uh, very good, at least young or early in his career showed up to camp out of shape that's typically not a great sign uh, i think he doesn't he, everyone show up to king's camp out of shape yeah right, right? i don't think it'd be he's weird just a he, king he's yeah, embracing he, being a king he's in king shape yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think george carl's used to lower lowers expectations a little bit there uh alec burks at 24 years old i think he could be uh moved up into one of the the second two tiers i had the, i had trey burke and alec burks off the list because i just think they're bad players i think um, trey burke is a bad player i don't think alec burks is like burks is not like, I mean, is he, he got paid like he's like a top fifteen shooting guard, but he might be because the position's so bad. It's so like like he, I would put him over Jared Sollinger. I I would remove Jared Sollinger from okay. this list completely. That's a, that's actually really fair, and I might actually do that because the the list is not final. I mean, it hasn't been posted yet. Um, what about Otto Porter? I think I would I could see Alec Burks as I mean, you have Otto Porter at thirty six. Not not trying to be critical yeah. of your rankings, but I could see like. Uh, like, if you switch those two out, I don't think there'd be many complaints. I mean, what does Alec Burks do even, like, on an average level? Like, I mean, like what is he average at? Like, I think I feel like he's below average at, like, every He shot 38% from three last year. What did he shoot the year before that? 35. Okay. Career 36% shooter. Okay. I mean, that's that's decent. What did he shoot from the field? 40%. Yeah. And that's why his PER was at 13. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, I think he is like, a little bit overrated. Like, I think sure. Otto Porter will shoot, like, 46 or 47% from the field, which is, like, fine. I, I don't think Otto Porter's good at anything either, but I, don't, I also don't I need think to see another year anything. of Otto Porter being yeah. decent before I'm ready to to officially anoint him a, a solid rotation yeah. guy. But, I mean, he showed a lot. I could not believe the progression from year one to year two. And maybe that's not saying much because he was so limited I mean, by the injury in year one. If but. you're looking, if you're not trying to like win your league this year, like if you're, um, if you're willing to accept that you're not going to win your league, then I would take everybody in the bottom tier over guys like Sullinger and Porter, and those guys that really just like, I mean, they're on this list just because of playing time. Right. All right, that wraps it up 
for Thursday's podcast. Thanks for listening to the Road to Wire basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS. That's R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S. That'll get you a free deposit today on DraftKings.com. believe DraftKings is also running the Millionaire Maker for the NFL season. Um, Obviously, Daily NBA is yet to start up, but NFL season is in full swing. So week five, $1.2 million, again, goes to first place in that DraftKings Millionaire Maker. So make sure to get your entries in for that. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.